0: Good to have you guys with us today. We're in the third part of a four-week series called God Never Said That. And if you've missed any of these messages, uh, you can get those at rockbrook.org. The first week, we looked at, God wants me to be happy. God never said that. You know, above all else, God wants me to be happy. Didn't say that. Second week, we looked at, oh, just the tough one, misbelief, that God won't give me more than we can handle. I actually never said that. Uh, next week is a very special message that uh, Tom Pastor Tom is going to give. And it's the lie that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Now, if you know somebody who isn't real sure about what they believe, it is a perfect week to bring them. It'll build your faith in a significant way out as well. Today we're looking at a very dangerous lie. Uh, it has serious consequences. We're looking at behavior. Now, growing up, my parents said that obedience is three things quickly, completely, cheerfully. So, if I was told to take out the trash, and if I didn't do it quickly, you know, I'll do it, but I'll do it on my time. That's not obedience. Uh, If I didn't take it out completely, you know, I took it out of the trash can, but it's still in the kitchen. That's not obedience. Now, if I did it quickly and completely, but I did it throwing a livid fit and, you know, screaming and cussing, that's not obedience. Quickly, completely, cheerfully. It's hard to teach this. Sometimes it's hard to learn this. (laughs) I think it's hard to teach this in our culture right now. In our culture, in our world today, watching movies, watching the news, the bestseller list. You could make an argument that the biggest cultural value today might be tolerance. A pretty strong argument. Tolerance is the new buzzword. You want to be seen as tolerant. But the definition of tolerance has changed over the past decade. Tolerance used to mean that all people have equal value. We're going to value people. We're going to tolerate people. You can't act like that in my house, but you're welcome to be here. We valued people. Today, though, tolerance has evolved to mean all ideas and all behaviors have equal value. It's wrong. It's unacceptable to say that a behavior is wrong, that a certain behavior is sinful. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody. Don't tell me to obey. That's kind of bigoted of you. That's intolerant. Now, that makes sense emotionally, and I'd agree. It makes sense emotionally. But logically, that doesn't hold up. When I was in college, one of my buddies was getting married. And he was a great Christian guy. And for his bachelor party, five of us guys got together and we were going to go skydiving. Now, in a day, you can take a skydiving class and for several hours. You take this class and they will take you up and then you parachute down. So there were five of us that were going to skydive. The instructor... The jump master, he introduced himself to the class, and this guy was an airborne ranger. He was cool. And in fact, he had, uh, he had uh, been with the Golden Knights as well. And maybe you've seen the Golden Knights at air shows. They're the ones that do the different formations and tricks with parachutes and all, all kinds of just neat aerial acrobatics. And as we start this class, the jump master said, we must obey him. That made sense to me. He knows what he's talking about. In fact, it would have been awkward to argue with him. On what authority would I say, hey, I've got a better idea. I know what I'm doing. I saw Point Break. I can't tell this joke in youth group because like, the teens are like, who's Patrick Swazzy? Yeah. So this is my chance. So you listen to authority. That just makes sense. You obey the master. So when I don't obey God, that's a sin. And our culture doesn't like the term sin. We have more acceptable phrases that help us feel better. Instead of saying that you're looking at pornography, we say adult entertainment. That just sounds more acceptable. We're not going to say somebody committed adultery. That's too harsh. Instead, they had an affair. And that that doesn't sound nearly as bad. We're not going to call premarital sex a sin in our culture today because we're not even going to call it premarital sex. We're going to call it fooling around. We've taken what was once wrong, and we've changed the way we describe it because in our culture today, the unpardonable sin is intolerance. You can do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt anybody. But sin has dramatic earthly consequences, and potential damning eternal consequences. I want to look at three cultural misbeliefs about sin. I want to look at what what did God really say? The first misbelief. I'm not a bad person. You're not a bad person. We're not bad people. I may make some mistakes, but I'm not a bad person. The the reality is that's not true. 1 John 1.8. If we claim to be without sin, if we say we're not a bad person, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Underline deceive ourselves. If we compare ourselves to other people, you know, we may be tempted to say, well, I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not that bad. Because we can always find somebody much worse. I mean, you're probably better than the person that you're sitting next to. Uh, other people are not the standard. What, did you feel an elbow or something? <laughs> Other people aren't the standard. When we compare ourselves to a holy and perfect God, we're sinners. We're all bad people. So here we go. How many of you have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Yeah, it's okay if you do this, but I mean, you want to get this right in church. Uh, how many of you have ever stolen something? Something that didn't belong to you. you know, like you're putting your hands down quicker on that one. How many of you have ever lusted about someone? Well, that one's even slower, yeah, because, Andrew, I'm sitting next to my spouse. Okay, All right, when I was 14, that, I, uh, I'm sure I did. Okay, you got me there. You got to be careful how you answer these. So if you've told a lie, that means you're a liar. If you've stolen something, that means you're a thief. If you've looked lustfully at somebody, Jesus says you've committed adultery in your heart. Welcome to Rockbrook, a church full of lying, thieving, adulterers. Some of you are like, thanks, Andrew. Last week, we laughed, we cried. You were so sweet. This week, you're annoying. I know. Like, putting this message together, like working on this. I mean, a couple months ago, Pastor Kelly said, hey, I want you to do a couple... A couple weekends in big church. And uh, and I want you to talk about sin. And I was like, hey, hey. This could be fun. And I started to work on it. And then I started to realize, I mean, you just, I mean, you kind of know it. But you start to realize we're not good people. Romans 3.10 reminds us. There is no one righteous. Not even one. So here we go. Number two. Second cultural misbelief about sin is this, and this is very dangerous. All sin's the same. You may believe this. You know, who are you to judge me? What I'm doing is no worse than what you're doing. All sin is the same. God never said that. The Bible doesn't say that all sin is the same. Now, don't miss this. Unforgiven sin leads to eternal death. But not all sin is the same. Okay, so Paul said to the Romans, verse 623, for the wages of sin is what? Yeah, underline that. Any type of unforgiven sin leads to death. This is the eternal death. The good news, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Unforgiven sin leads to eternal death, but not all sin is the same. I remember when I was a kid, thinking, "Man, I look forward to growing up so I can learn to not sin." I remember being punished for sassing my mother or lying about cleaning my room, getting in trouble for goofing off in class, or cheating on a test in school. And I thought, grown-ups don't sin like kids do. Boy, was I right? Grown-up sin is way worse. <laughs> you know, lying to your parents about doing your chores, that's a sin. Lying to your boss about doing your job, that's a sin. Both will keep you out of heaven if they're not forgiven. But both are not equal in terms of consequences. All sin is not the same. How we live influences at least three things. First of all, it influences consequences on earth. If you are sinful, there are consequences. All consequences are not the same. For example, if you're a youth pastor... And after an event, you go into the restroom and there's poop on the toilet and on the floor and on the walls. And the words that start coming out of your mouth are sinful. You can still be a youth pastor. I understand. But if you smoke dope with a teenager, you can't be the youth pastor. Unless you're in Colorado. They'll figure that out. There are different earthly consequences to our behavior. There are also different consequences in heaven. How we live influences rewards in heaven. God rewards certain godly behaviors. There are eternal rewards in heaven for how we live and what we do or don't do on earth. This weekend, we're doing class 401. And that is a great way to get involved in what is happening here. There are heavenly rewards for what we do. It is so much fun to be here at Rockbrook and see people serving, see them loving Jesus, lying, thieving, adulterers, running around getting rewards in heaven. What a great place. It matters what you do. Third thing, how we live influences punishment in hell how we live to some degree or another obviously we don't know all the details it influences punishment and in hell let me show you a couple of verses luke's gospel chapter 20 verse 47 the pharisees devour widows houses okay they are they are taking advantage of those in the church that the church is called to help and serve and love on the pharisees devour widows houses and for a show make lengthy prayers god evidently he hates this type of of hypocrisy Scripture says these men will be punished most severely. It implies that there might be a less severe punishment for some people in actions, and there might be a more severe punishment for others. Jesus is talking to Pontius Pilate, John 19, 11. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin, implying there is a lesser sin and there is a greater sin. When you look at sexual sin... Paul tells the Corinthians to run from it. Run from sexual sin. Why? Because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. There's a different consequence to this sin. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Your body was purchased by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So flee from sexual sin. All other sin, he says, fight, resist, but not this one. Don't even try to fight it, because this one impacts you in such a deep and personal and significant way. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody. God never said that. So we're taking this skydiving class, and the jump master gives us a test at the end of this long class, and if we pass the test, we strap on our parachutes, and we get ready to go. Now, the plane is small, so only three can jump at a time. So uh, a couple of my buddies and I get in. Joe gets in the back, then Joel, and I'm the last one in because I'm going to be the first one to go. Now, the way it worked, since it was a beginner's jump, we had to suspend ourselves under the wing of a plane. And this is a picture of what that kind of looks like. Uh, the, I don't know who this is. I'm just using his, I just grabbed the picture off the Internet. Uh, but... Uh, you get you hang under the wing of the plane. You grab that bar and you work your way out. The parachute is tethered to the plane with that cord. So as you fall away from the plane, that tether pulls the parachute out for you. So you don't have to worry about that. I was the first to go. And the jump master watched me as I get out of the plane and hang on that bar and work my way out as far as I can go. And it was exciting. I mean, the wind the speed, the height, the jump master is looking at me. In this picture, you can see him giving the giving the thumbs up to that guy. So the jump master is sitting there and he's looking at me, making sure I'm okay. Then he also turns to look at the pilot and waiting to for us to be in position. And i you know, he's waiting for the signal. I'm waiting for the signal. So I'm hanging there, and I, I look in the plane and I look at my buddy Joel, and because this is cool, it's also scary. And I look at my buddy Joel, and he's looking at me with a shocked look on his face with wide eyes. It looked like he's just. And I thought, that's not a very supportive look he's giving me. The jump master had been looking at the pilot, and when he turned and looked at me, he made the same face and he says, Go, go, go! Go, go, go was not on the test. That wasn't the signal we had practiced. But I obeyed. My hands went open, and my first thought was, I don't know if I'm saving myself or saving them. (laughs) I watched the plane quickly turn, and the tail of the plane went up and away from me. And uh, the pilot pilot just just cranked on the thing. And I immediately heard a pop and received an an 80-mile-an-hour wedgie. My parachute had started to open up while I was hanging on that wing. That's what Joel's looking at me so weird, like that wasn't an <laughs> If I would not have obeyed quickly, completely, the parachute would have wrapped around the tail of the plane. That's why the pilot, you know, thinking you great guy to, to to be aware of that. So what about cheerfully? Well, I tried my best. The jump master just maintained his wits about him. He snapped a picture of me. You're supposed to get about eight or nine pictures as you fall gracefully away from the plane. I had one before I was torn out of the picture. <laughs> the jump master calmly looks. You know, He, he watches as I, as I go away, make sure I gain control of the parachute and I'm all right. Then he calmly looks at Joel and says, you're next. Obedience is important. How we live, what we do matters. It matters in eternity. Misperception number one, I'm not a bad person. Yes, you are. We're sinful. Number two, all sin's the same. It's not the same. All unforgiven sin separates us from God. It has eternal consequences. Some sins have bigger consequences. The third big cultural lie that so many people believe, since I've already done it, I may as well keep doing it. This is the teenager who thinks, I'm not a virgin anymore, so I may as well keep on doing it. I've done drugs, so I may as well do them again. I cheated. I didn't get caught. It seemed to help me. May as well do that again. I've looked at something that I know I shouldn't be looking at, but I erased my tracks. May as well look at it again. The Apostle Paul asked the question in his letter to the Romans. He said, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? You know, if God's going to forgive us anyway, uh, should we keep on sinning? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we live in it? Spiritual maturity is not about how much we know. It's about how much we obey Spiritual maturity isn't just about having more knowledge. It's having more fruit. It's letting the Holy Spirit take over and live through you. If you love Jesus, you will obey him. The problem is, most Christians in our culture today are educated well beyond their level of obedience. Most of us don't need to know more. We need to apply what we already know. Here's what's scary. When you're continuing in it, and you don't even realize it. That's scary. It's the Christian who is holding on to the wing. And you know they're having a great time. They've studied. They know the answers to the test. They know what they're doing. They're just waiting for the right cue. And go, go, go wasn't on the test. Don't judge me. The most miserable person is not the non-Christian. The most miserable people in the world are Christians who continue to live in sin. Most miserable people in the world are Christians who know the Master and intentionally disobey God. I'm not letting go of this. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to minister. I'm not going to get involved. The most miserable people in the world are those who know there is something better and continue to reject the purposes of God. This sin isn't that big a deal. Sin is progressive. It will take you further than you want to go. It'll, it'll make you pay more than you want to. Some of you right now are trying to rationalize. I know what this sounds like. sounds like, I'll be all right. I won't let this get too far. You've gone too far. If you are a follower of Jesus and you continue to live in it, you will lose intimacy with God. Your heart will start to harden. And when your heart begins to harden, you're not as sensitive to being able to hear God. Not sure you're gonna mess up. But when you do, let go of it quickly, completely, cheerfully. You're gonna see spiritual maturity. You know, you may grab on to your favorite sin, but you're gonna let go quickly. And you, God, forgive me. Forgive me for doing that. I just really struggle. That time that you hold on to that sin gets shorter and shorter. And suddenly you start to be sanctified, and your mind is being transformed to the mind of Christ. And you're starting to look like Christ, and you're starting to live like Christ. And it's not that you're trying to, it's the Holy Spirit doing it through you. When you see yourself as a sinner, you see yourself with a need for a Savior. Suddenly you recognize Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick, and that is the best news ever. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. I want to make something clear. Working with teenage guys, this lust thing is huge. And I talk with guys who are just beat down, and they're scared because they think they're bad guys. And it's kind of a joke that girls will dress pretty, and when guys look at them, they're called pigs and perverts. And I talk with guys, and they think there's something wrong with them. And I tell them, "You're going to notice pretty. You can't help it. It's, it's the way God wired you." You know, I have boys. I have a bunch of boys, and when they were little, uh, two, three years old, two, uh, one of my boys it was two years old. He was riding in the shopping cart at Target, and my wife was pushing him in the shopping cart, and he's sitting in that little seat, and we're going down one of the main aisles, and we go next to the, past the woman's underwear, and he sees a poster of a gal in her underwear, and he starts going, cute, cute, cute. Another one of my boys, he was sitting in a stroller. And we were actually in a hotel lobby. And he's going, Dad, look! Dad, look, look! Dad! And he's pointing at the TV. And I turn up and look at it. And it's a Victoria's Secret commercial. I'm like, thanks. (laughs) Those boys aren't being deviant. They're not being crude. They're noticing pretty. God made them to notice pretty. You're gonna notice. But the problem is when you focus. It's okay to notice. That's normal. You are the way God made you. It's not okay to focus. That's when it gets creepy. Okay? Unless you're married. Then you can focus on her all you want. After the message last night, a guy came up, he's a knife. Said, so I can focus on her all I want. She's like, thanks. I said, yep. Here's what I want you to understand. Doesn't matter what you're trapped in, doesn't matter how long you've been there, doesn't matter if you thought you could never overcome it. God always gives you a way out, Jesus is the way out. He is the truth that sets you free. He is the life that endures forever. Some of you have been holding on to this sin for too long. You need to let go. Go, go, go quickly before the consequences start to affect people that you love. Let go of your sin. Experience the transforming goodness of Jesus. You don't have to be stuck in this. There is always a way out. And I'm talking to someone right now, and you've rationalized. You've thought you can't get out of this. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. There is a way through Jesus. 1 John 1, 8. If we claim to be without sin, we looked at this earlier, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's how good Jesus is. He is the way, he's the truth, he's the life, he is the way out of sin. He is the only kind of life that will satisfy. When you are tempted, remember, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will always give you a way out. When culture says, doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone, that is a satanic lie from the pit of hell. Sin is the greatest enemy to intimacy with God. Jesus is the best friend of sinners. We're all sinners. We all need his grace. God, thank you that you are faithful. You always give us a way out. As you bow your heads, I want to ask a simple question. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Something you need to stop doing? Something you need to start doing? What you do matters. Your obedience is a big deal. Are you hearing go, go, go? God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will set people free. I thank you that your love isn't based on our performance. Your love is based on your goodness. You love us no matter what. Even when we don't let go, you love us. God, you love us so much you don't want us to be trapped in stuff that hurts us or has the potential to hurt other people. As we keep praying today, there are those of you who are going to recognize that you have a need. You have a need for a Savior. You need forgiveness and a place to hear. You need to hear every word I'm going to say here. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Nobody does. When you call out to him, all of your sins will be forgiven and you will be brand new. Tell God By faith, I surrender. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. By faith, I give my life to you today. I'd ask that everybody here pray this with me. I recognize that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your Spirit so I could know you, so I could serve you, so I could follow you. I confess my life is not my own. Today I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.